0: This is episode 14 of the Ask Dad Labs podcast. It was recorded on June 2nd, 2021. It's simple. You ask questions and dad's answer. When we need actual answers, we find the experts. Today we have Clay from Austin, Texas. He has three kids. One's in high school, one's in college and one is in the Coast Guard. And we have Nick from Louisville, Kentucky. He has two kids ages 6 and 13 and I'm Ben I'm in the Detroit River just south of Detroit Michigan and my boys are 11 and 13. let's get to the show well I thought I'd change up our format a little bit because I was going through the garage and and I found have you guys ever played um, uh, what is that with the Polino the balls Bocce you guys ever play Bocce yes I had mm-hmm. I had friends I had friends in Ohio we played adventure Bocce and and we threw we threw these bocce balls. There were there was no limit, so we we played in cemeteries and we were throwing bocce balls through these cemeteries in rural rural Ohio, like southeast of Columbus. Okay, and like we'd throw them, you know, 50 yards. We'd throw the polino, and then we'd have to throw these bocce balls. So my friends got me these these uh, chrome plated bocce balls. So I, I found those. I saw those today, and and then thought all these other games that I need to teach the kids. Like we've got. Well, we want to teach them golf, but then we also want to teach them disc golf. We've got like frisbee golf things that I picked up at Menards. You guys are looking at me like, "Where's the punchline?" Uh huh. And th- there really isn't. But so <laughs> you know, we've got all these, we've got all these games.
1: Well, um, I mean, we had butt jokes to start off last week, so I was waiting for the ball jokes. I'm,
0: yeah, uh, distance yeah.
2: Distance bocce? You no, know, that that wasn't joke?
1: that wasn't a joke. That a was a, joke. a Story about distance no. bocce?
0: Yeah, do you guys do you guys have games that you play out in the yard?
1: We do cornhole. Yeah, I have an excellent cornhole set that I made that has an awesome painting of R two D two on one and a Jawa on the other. Yeah, not quite regulation because I didn't use two by fours because that's heavy.
0: I don't get the whole it's, regulation uh, thing with that. Yeah,
1: I don't care because <laughs> I don't play it that that much or that well. So yeah, I don't need it to be tournament regulation. I, none of my friends are are that crazy about it.
2: I wonder if you, do you mean like sitting in the plastic Adirondack chairs and
0: drinking wine, drinking
2: rum and Cokes, does that
0: count? I mean, uh, is it probably that- does count. You know, actually I did a, you know, I've got that other podcast about my Island. And one of the, one of the episodes we did in season one was uh, this thing that's called uh yard game Palooza. And so they play, they cornhole and all those things. They actually play indoor over the winter at a tennis facility, an indoor tennis facility. And so they, they play those, but. So I was thinking about adding adding another game to what we've got. I was thinking about about doing doing Limbo because when it comes to Limbo, I set the bar pretty high. I really I didn't see it coming. I thought maybe
2: he wasn't going to do a joke, Nick. And so I totally
1: <gasps> fell for that. It was yep. like yeah. Hook line and sinker. And I have
0: That's to fine. I have to strategize a little bit, so well our first segment tonight is memorial day we just passed memorial day who do you memorialize when when you think of Memorial Day, who do you think of? Is there anybody in particular that you think of as having served the country well or anyone in your in your family?
2: Uh, well, yeah, Blue Star family, but we all know. Memorial Day is supposed to be about you know the sort of somber kickoff to summer where we're you know all getting loaded on white claw and supposed to be thinking about uh, the war dead it is an interesting it is an interestingly conflicted american holiday isn't it you know we're, we're really just yeah. all excited especially this year to be out and with friends and part and and there's this sort of sense that oh we're supposed to be somber and uh, we have a lot of jokes in our family about you know having a having a somber you know dinner and having a so- it's unfortunate that the the nature of the holiday and the place it falls in the calendar, you know, creates this kind of cultural dissonance, you know, really we all just want to be celebrating that the kids are out of school and, and, and we're, you know, supposed to be observing a reverence for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. They kind of don't go very well together. So, I mean, you know, in terms of me, I, you know, I, I reflect a little, my, my, uh, grandfather served in World War II and and he died at 70. Uh, he served in Pacific Theater, didn't ever talk about his service to anyone. I actually requested his, his service record because he was an engineer and a colonel and he served in some areas that may or may not have been associated with, you know. Uh,
0: Do you know what battalion he served with?
2: Oh, I can tell you, I believe he was stationed on Okinawa um, for, uh, for the latter part of his service. And, and so I requested his service record and I was told that his service record was destroyed in a fire. So make of that what you will. And so I I wasn't able to get his, his service record. Um, I know that he was, you know, bronze star winner. And, but never spoke of his service again, and I and I and I believe that he that part of you know that is why he he died young, so I, I think of him as someone who actually um, sacrificed ultimately you know part of his life for for having served that way.
0: Well, see, my grandfather was was in the thirty fourth and thirteen forty first combat engineers in the Pacific. So I drove him to his World War II reunion, his Pearl Harbor reunion, every year for about ten years. And got to know a bunch of the guys that that survived Pearl Harbor. and they they actually were fired on. They were at, at uh, uh Schofield Air Base on the other side of the island from Pearl Harbor. They were shot at first. so they they came through Schofield before they hit the hit the ships. So Grandpa's got stories that, that he wrote down about him eating breakfast. He was having a chocolate milkshake for breakfast that morning when the air sirens the, the air raid sirens went off and everybody hit the deck so so he's got memories and and i met a lot of guys and and heard them memorialize their friends and uh heard his his regrets from that period and and so that's that's who i remember i remember all the guys that that were talked about over those years and and uh how they reluctantly went into service they were I mean, you can't, you can't say this for everybody, but the general, general feeling for those guys, because they were in the combat engineers, they weren't trained on how to fire guns. They, they poured concrete, built bridges, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but they were fired on a lot. And so they, they really felt like they were hoodwinked because when they were, when they were drafted, they were sent into, they were, they were putting cattle cars going uh, on the train from the East coast out to San Francisco and they took one step on San Francisco soil, they say, and right onto a ship. And the president had just said that no, uh, no soldiers would be leaving the United States. And they went to Hawaii, which was not yet a state. And so they, they felt like they'd been, they'd been uh, I don't know, kidnapped and, and taken over to Hawaii to do this, to do this service. And then, and then all the way through the Pacific, they were shot at. My grandfather was, was back for his mother's funeral. And while he was trying to catch back up to his his group, they were massacred, as the 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 Marines went uh, pushed forward too fast, and uh, the Japanese came around and, and got the engineers, and mm. so he lost a lot of friends while he was burying his mother, and so, mm. um, but but honestly, it wasn't until he was about ninety years old that he didn't start talking about it, and so I, I completely get it. He never talked about it with his kids, but he would talk about it with his grandson. So I, I appreciate that time I had. And I've got I've got his scrapbooks from all those times. So I have a lot of memories to to put in there. But
1: I will also say that it's one thing to go and visit a cemetery a military cemetery in the States. Because of dad labs, I was able to travel with people to people. And we visited Normandy and the cemetery over there. And it is still one of the most powerful and emotional things I've experienced. And because I didn't really know much about World War II as far as from the, the European aspect of it, you know, from that side, that perspective. And, and we, we learned a lot, and their memorial uh, museum there is just. It's great. You know how you? Uh, it's a it's a top notch facility, and and it it was amazing and very emotional, very powerful to see the graves of like three thousand servicemen, American servicemen, on foreign soil. That that is something I recommend to everyone that it, do that sometime. If you're traveling Europe, visit the American memorials, and it, and it's it's crazy it, it was very interesting and very interesting to see that from an old man point of view traveling with a bunch of teenagers who of course didn't really i, I don't think any of them really understood what they were where they were what they were witnessing because it is it's crazy so
0: well maybe by now you know it's you get you get experience with something or you, you get exposed to something, and. In, down down the road, they may they may have uh, connected things together a little better. So, here's hoping. Yep.
1: And my niece my niece just graduated Air Force basic training. Now she's going to Texas to uh, learn how to be a medic. So, great good luck to her. Ecstatic about her being getting into that.
2: Well, I'll tell you what I got an interesting you know community. My son is obviously he's in the military. He's an officer in the Coast Guard. So this was kind of, a, I got a text message from him a couple of days ago, I haven't heard a whole lot from him. He's, he's ashore right now. And the text message was simply photographs of, of sharks, lots of, lots of sharks. And the caption was, you know, dive with the sharks. And I was, what? And I clicked on it and it was a website for a open ocean free diving with the sharks service in Honolulu, Hawaii. So what I learned is that my son, my 22-year-old son, had left his home in the Bay Area and had gone to Hawaii and had gone swimming with the sharks. And it, I don't know if you've had a moment like this as pants yet where you really realize, I no longer have any sign-off on any of this shit like (laughs) he is now now officially completely outside and i realized this i think when i sent him off to you know boot camp to be you know uh before going to the coast guard academy like i had to sign him away literally to the government and uh
0: that's where his girlfriend's at right
2: yeah and his girlfriend is in Honolulu. so going to
0: hawaii wasn't the big thing
2: it, it was kind of, you know, but I hadn't heard anything. All I yeah. said, I just get a photograph of sharks. I'm, I'm, I'm diving with a shark's dad. Didn't really get an opportunity to give him any like input about that. <laughs> Don't be lunch. I didn't have to sign any forms. It was just like, hey. And at
0: least he didn't ask you to go alone.
2: Well, yeah, because I saw Jaws when I was seven and I'm totally <laughs> scarred for life. Anyway, it was a pretty funny. It was a pretty funny check in. You know, from your adult kid in the military, and I'll just say his experience. You know, although you know, you could say, oh, Coast Guard, whatever. It's you know, maybe it's not the Marines, but uh, his experience there, what it did for him as a young man, the opportunities it's already provided him in terms of his education and and the experiences he's having afloat, um, seem to be pretty amazing. So, as a parent, Memorial Day is not the day where you really think about this, but you know, my experience has been, you know, one of just immense gratitude for the opportunities that he's had for what it's taught him, how it shaped him as a person and where he is right now in terms of just doing the thing that he loves, you know, it's kind of what you really as a dad kind of hope for. so, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see. (laughs) It's, it's fun to hear his pride when he takes you aboard. It's also weird because their world is something that I don't know at all. He can right. try, and I can be a fanboy and like learn, but unless you're in it, underway in a crew in the military, you just don't. You can't really get it. You can't. I can't get it. And so he can try to explain it to me, but I can't get it. And yeah. there's something about that that's both amazing and also frustrating. Like I can't. I won't ever fully understand his experience in that world.
0: Yeah. Well, going from feeding your family to sharks to uh family mealtime. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we started to talk Ooh. about this after we after we recorded <laughs> uh, last week. We talked about family mealtime and uh, I think yeah, I think our family is the only one that regularly gathers for a a family dinner, right?
1: Oh no, we're we're family dinner most nights.
0: Oh, do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we uh,
1: we are not. We're feral. We all kind of eat kind of on of our own, and and I feel horrible about it because I mean it's one thing if you've got teenagers and you all just kind of eat what you eat whenever you eat. We've got a six year old we should have some form of schedule about making sure that she is eating and eating the right things. And she, she's really good about asking, like, she doesn't generally just go and and grab food and junk food and everything. But like today she ate really well. She ate like five different times today. So she's going through a growth spurt because she kept asking for food all day. But we have said time and time again that we need to do a, at least once a week, if not two or three times dinner at the table, all of us sitting at the table. When we do actually get back to that, the 13 year old is going to not want to do that at all. When we moved into this new house, the first probably six months, we were at the table two or three times a week, every week. And that was really nice. It was really cool. Was, you know, new house and and everything, but you know, it just kind of falls away. And yeah, we are horrible parents when it comes to family (laughs) meals. (laughs) We, the only time we really all eat together is if we go out to eat and we haven't done that as a family in over a year. Sure. So for obvious reasons. So (laughs) that's the only time we eat all together at the same table.
0: Well, it seems like the classic time that families lose their mealtime is, is with teenagers. So, Clay, how did you guys survive having teenagers and sports and you know everything related to school and then still have some sort of family mealtime?
2: Well, that's a that's a good question. We we, I mean, all the credit here goes to my wife, who's you know, kind of single handedly managed the family meal time because you know, she's the shopper and she's the cook. I man the grill, we grill often. Um, but she's a scratch cook, and we probably have meals at home at the table, you know, four or five nights a week, sometimes six. And you know, our situation was a bit unique because most of the kids' athletic stuff was happening on campus, you know, close to where we live. So we were able to kind of manage that. And in the early days, you know, we we had access to the you know we have the access to a dining hall and so you know in the early days we would go do you know two or even three meals a day together but in the dining hall because you could take the kids we had high chairs for them with their trays and they would just you throw out food and they just and they had the like you know the bib with the trough in it, and the snaps you know, and the snap and you yeah. would just take all the miracle of living on campus being a boarding school faculty member was you could take all that you took the tray and the bib and you put it in the slot and they would run it through the washer <laughs> and the next day you would come out and the tray and the bib would beat and so when the kids were little we used that a lot and and we we would do it for
0: oh my god that's cheating
2: Every day, <laughs> every day, and we did All that for years and years when the kids were little, and that's totally cheating. And then, but what we found was as we got older, like we liked having a glass of wine with dinner. You can't really do that at the dining hall. You get like o b <laughs> and like crack open a nice cab, you know, with the dining hall chicken cacciatore, like they frown on that generally. So, we would well, have and you can't crap. pick out the
0: right wine, you know. What, what do you pick <laughs> yeah. out for Frank's what and pairs
2: well with meatloaf? Well, I can tell. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so we, we started, Kim really started making more meals at home. And th- honestly, the teenagers liked it. Like they, there wasn't resistance to it. It was, I don't know, it's simply the way that we always did things. And, you know, she made meals that they liked. And, you know, kind of, I think we even pushed them a little bit to try things that were a little bit unusual or, And so I think the kids now have very adventuresome palates. Last night we went and got Ethiopian food. I'm sure Nick, you're a huge fan of Ethiopian and we got Ethiopian food (laughs) with with my daughter and she never had it before. It was kind of fun. It's like little pancakes and piles of interesting vegetables. And anyway, (laughs) you know, it's, it it really is a, a huge credit to my wife who has had a, career you know she's a working woman in a leadership role you know and still found time to shop and prepare meals and you know so I just tried to help out and and I honestly feel like it's it it was it was a really important thing love that time I think the, the kids love that time you know everybody does it differently Nick I mean everybody does it differently that's the way that we chose to do it I feel like it worked. It was a good thing. It is a good thing for our kids. Although now we're kind of stuck with it. Now they really <laughs> expect it. They show up with their fork and knife, like, "Hey, where's the?" Where's <laughs> so, the so as so, you so.
0: as you transition to being, you know, empty nesters, is that going to is that going to affect it? Or has has that been happening for the kids? Or do you appreciate it for yourselves too?
2: Well, there have been a couple of things as the kids have grown up and moved away. One is the, the constant calls from my oldest, like, hey, mom, how do you make that chicken piccata? Like, what's the chicken piccata recipe? And she's like, what? Like, I've got six people coming over tonight and I'm making everybody chicken <laughs> piccata. Tell me how to do it. And he, he has taken this on. like He's become someone who loves to entertain, cook for other people. And he's constantly calling his mom. And asking,
0: it's like one of those Amazon Echo commercials, right? <laughs> right. Dad, <laughs> yeah. I burned the chicken. Yeah. he called me,
2: asked me about grilling stuff. He's got, he's become a big griller. Yeah. You know, my daughter, I, I could start to see that, you know, happening with her a little bit. One of the problems is portion management that, you know, now that the family's gotten smaller, still what happens is we put on a plate of food that could feed five people. <laughs> and it's big right. problematic. You know, so that's been something. It'll be very interesting to see once you know we're we're three hundred and fifty five days. Not that I'm counting away from graduation <laughs> for our senior, for our last child. You know, what is it going to look like when finally uh, it's we'll have just, to make that you know, a
0: trope. We'll have it. We'll have a countdown. <laughs> the uh, it'll come with tears in about two hundred days. So
1: well, I will also say that the kids seem to enjoy. When we were doing it, the boy was, you know, 10, 11. So he was, they, they'd never seemed to really hate it. They did seem to enjoy it. And I would always try to ask, you know, open-ended questions, you know, how was school today? Fine. You know, try to do a little bit more than, you know, hey, what was something cool that happened at school today? Or what's something that you learned? Tell me something, tell me about your day. So, yeah, I, I hope that we can get back to that a little bit. I think we can with the help of the six-year-old. Well, you've also got, I mean, if you've got
2: kids or a household where you've got food sensitivities, allergies, aversions, you know, you've, where dinner is complicated to do collectively, you know, I can see that some families have to make a choice to say, okay, we're on our own tonight, right? Everybody <laughs> needs to do what they need to do because everybody's needs are so different and in situations where the timing is, is tough to make it all work. Right. You know, in our world, it just happened to work most of the time that pretty much everybody was kind of on the same schedule. And we had somebody that was willing to put in the work. It wasn't me most of the time. <laughs> and um, and so that that's become an important family thing. And I think that it's something that I'm really hoping and looking forward to in the future. It's like once the kids start to get older, that what you start to really look forward to is those grown-up meals together where you know where you're where you're having these adult conversations and people and and their expectation is that we're going to gather around the table and that we're going to talk about important issues and we did that we we had pointed political conversations often around the table and i think that it's a it's a habit and an expectation that i feel like the, the investment in that, the payoff is still out there because there are generational dinners and dinner tables to gather at in the future that I so look forward to. I can't wait to gather at the table with my adult children when they do the cooking <laughs> <laughs> and I get to do the dishes or you know, that we, that we, you know, trade off nights. I I really do look forward to that.
1: Yeah. That also, that is another thing is having the kids cook or be involved as much as possible. They both love to, to get involved with whatever we're cooking. If not with whatever we're cooking. If it's something that they really like, (laughs) they are all about, uh, we do hamburger with Vita shells and cheese. So it's basically hamburger helper my son knows how to cook that now I know that when he moves out that's probably all he's ever gonna eat that's it. but he knows how to cook that he knows how to cook that and so he knows good. how to do it safely and everything
2: but um, Ben you're the you're the dad yeah you're the, you're the, you're the dad chef. chef right tell us about what we want to hear about this five, <laughs> five o'clock operation well so you know, it and
0: started Deborah. before before we had kids because Deborah she's She is an engineer to the tip of her toes. (laughs) And, and she has, she has lunch at 11 and she has supper at five. And it wasn't until just maybe two years ago that, that we could bump that five back a little bit, a little more often. And so it, it has, it wasn't really revolving around the kids. It was revolving around my wife who, you know, other people would call stubborn and I would have to call beautiful (laughs) <laughs> um, so so she uh
1: neurosis approved
0: so so she she really set that and and so that's sort of our living expectation for the last you know whatever and i've i've had jobs where i've mostly i've either been home or i'm not going to be home for hours right so so since we've had kids my my job away you know until we got to detroit was was the food truck in which case i wouldn't get home until midnight you know, I'd leave at like three o'clock in the afternoon and wouldn't get home till midnight. So, so whatever they do at home, you know, that's it. And that's usually, you know, something something fairly simple that that she doesn't feel challenged by. She will she will take on culinary challenges, but only on weekends and only for like holidays. So she'll do something for for cookies or or whatever. Actually, you know, I'm she's gonna listen to this, but that's not why I'm gonna say that she's taken on things like she had me write well. Uh, a few years ago, I, I uh, took a, a programming class and that ended at five o'clock in downtown Detroit. It, takes about an, it took about an hour and a half to get home. And so I wouldn't get home until 630. And so she would cook and I had to write down recipes for things I've never used a recipe for. And so we have, I think they're still on the refrigerator. And so things like chili and they're all instant pot. Um, We did things like I would pre, pre-make pans. I would make uh, aluminum foil pans with pasta, pasta sauce, cottage cheese, and then topped with cheese that she could just pop into the oven for an hour and it would thaw out and cook and be done so that she didn't have to do anything from that point. So we did a lot of prep that way, but our dinners are hugely dependent on two devices. And neither of them's a microwave. So the first one is the Instant Pot. And it gets, you know, it's it's got so many fans on Facebook that it seems like it's just silly. It's, you know, it, it it probably has as many as as the air fryers do now. But the Instant Pot has changed. You know, we talked we talked a few weeks ago about my my little Facebook group about that Instant Pot cookbook. Mm-hmm. But I use I use the Instant Pot to make hamburger helper because the hamburger helper, the big problem is it boils over, you know, and then it gets all clumpy and and <laughs> it it's got all sorts of problems. If you make it in the instant pot, there's no boil over. It's done in about half the time. I mean, it doesn't take a long time in the first place, but but it's all contained. There's no mess, there's no splatter anywhere. And it's awesome. So hey, it's I mean
1: so it's sponsored by.
0: Well, I use it, I use <laughs> it for things like that, but then you know, we use it for you know, these, these fancy things, rice is it's super easy to make rice. It's super easy to make chili. It's, it saves so much time. And so it's just, it's just really helped with that. The second thing is, is more foodie and that is uh, an immersion circulator, right? So the big challenge, so an immersion circulator for sous vide cooking, right? So sous vide is cooking under vacuum. So you you take generally a meat product, you know, like a steak and you vacuum seal it in like a food saver bag with some herbs or butter or whatever. And you cook it in water, set at a particular temperature. Nick's for, for everybody who can't see us, Nick is all this is going over his head. So, so the way that, so steak, steak doneness is determined by the temperature, right? So if it's, if it, if a steak is, is medium, it's like 135 degrees on the inside. Right. I mean, it's, it's determined by color, but the color is determined by what temperature it's cooked to. And so what an immersion circulator does is it has a, a very, a, a rather precise thermostat in it that keeps the water at a particular temperature. So it's got a heater and a thermostat and it keeps your water circulating in the in whatever bin you've got it in, a, a bucket or whatever. It keeps that water at say 135 degrees, 140 degrees, 128 degrees. And you can take a vacuum-sealed packet of meat, you know, a steak, say, and put that in that water, and it will cook it only to that temperature. So you will never get it over that temperature. So if you want to, if you want a medium steak at 135 degrees, you set your water temperature to 135 degrees, you put your steak, even if it's frozen, you put your steak in in that water because it's in a bag. So it doesn't ever touch the water, but it raises that temperature to exactly the temperature you want it cooked at. So now if I'm grilling, I light up my grill, or I light up my grill in my house, or I, I get the oven open. Or get it get it up to temperature and I sear it so that I get that crust on the outside. Right. And if I want to mm-hmm. butter baste it or I don't do any of that stuff. But <laughs> but if I want to slap it on the grill, I can do it with pork chops at, at say 145. And they're perfectly juicy and tender. They're just the right temperature. Steaks come out just right, and it takes me so much less time. And I don't throw out any food. This is something I started doing from the restaurant because a steak that comes back, you lose, right? Meat's expensive. And if, if meat gets overcooked, you got, you got to, you toss it and, and you lose. And so if the way to solve that is to cook your meat to exactly the temperature you want, get it grilled on the outside market and, and it's done and you're done in a quarter of the time because the searing doesn't take any time and it's already cooked. And so that's, that's how we did that, but I can cook pork chops. I can cook chicken. I can cook, you know, we did, uh, I, I did crab legs. I took the, the crab leg bags that we got at Sam's Club and put, put hot water into the bag so that the crab was sitting in that water. But I put the crabs at the temperature, I forget what temperature we did, but they sat there and they got to that temperature and didn't overcook. And then all through dinner, if anybody wanted crabs, they went to that bag and fished their crab legs out of the water. So instead of having to steam them and then have them all go cold, they were they stayed just the right temperature the whole night, okay, and and Um, never overcooked.
1: All right, tangent. I I need to know what this is called again. Okay, it's an immersion
0: immersion circulator.
1: Emergent. Immersion. I m
0: m e r s i o n circulator, Circulator. and it's for a technique called sous vide. S o u -S s v i d e. The most popular sous vide stick is a Anova. A N O V A. You can get them at Target and obviously Amazon and all those other places.
2: And you can do sous vide. Okay. I mean, I've done sous vide twice. Yeah. And I was and there was a, these were both like during the pandemic because during the pandemic a couple of times I had to just absolutely do something to please the crowd. And there's one place in Austin, Texas, that's super iconic. It's called Franklin's Barbecue.
0: Oh, absolutely. Franklin's
2: Barbecue makes some of the most famous brisket in the whole world. And during the, you know, during the pandemic, you know, used to be the only way you could get Franklin's Barbecue is you would go in the morning and line up and wait for a couple of hours and hope that you got there early enough that you got some brisket or barbecue before they ran out. And you would just, and they would bring drinks to people in the line. And it's just a whole thing. But during the pandemic, they started to sell whole vacuum packed briskets. And I won't even tell you what that shit cost, but (laughs) it was big. And but I was like, okay, this is good. And the the miracle was that they had the perfect, you know, and, and Franklin's, you know, barbecue is a is a miraculous process, which is fragile and perfect. And you cannot, you know, it's very difficult to reproduce and it it creates, and I'm not kidding you. The hype is real. It's the best meat you have ever eaten in your lifetime. I guarantee it. Go, you know, come here to Austin. I'll take you there. Tell me I'm wrong. But in my experience, most people have a religious experience. So they'll pack that brisket in a vacuum packed thing. They give it to you and they give you sous vide ex- uh, instructions on how to rewarm it so that you basically are taking this incredibly expensive, beautiful and perfect piece of meat. And you boil that fucker. And I mean, it, you don't boil it, but you basically are using hot water, hot around water it to reheat it slowly to the proper temperature.
0: So they have you put hot water in a, in a cooler.
2: E- well, no, they, you know, they give you, Heating instructions, you know, you basically have to find a big ass pot and put it in there and monitor the temperature of the water that you're heating um, to get to the right temperature. Anyway, if you do it properly, what emerges is the real thing. Like the perfect Franklin's brisket just reheated in this, in this, through the sous vide process. Yeah,
0: but it hasn't damaged it. So like if you were to slice it and put it in the microwave, it would taste rubbery it would be completely different no, but sous vide brings destroyed. it exactly to you what can't you want possibly. Yeah.
2: and you can't put it in the oven there's no other way to bring this thing back to life other than this process that you're describing
0: yeah so so when you know we we talked about uh what was that my anniversary dinner where i made prime rib in 25 minutes right that prime rib was in sous vide all day it, it was in sous vide for like 10 hours so it it had sat in, it was probably 135.5 degrees. And we gave it plenty of time to get up to temperature. That that time allows the meat to break down a little bit. It allows the collagen, you know, the the connective tissue inside the meat to break down a little bit, which gives you a gelatin like thing. It gives you an umptious flavor, you know, mouthfeel. And then I'm a beer judge too, so I get to use all those words, right? <laughs> You know, it, it does all these things that break it down and give you that high end steakhouse quality thing. But you can cook it, you know, you, you drop some, I prepare my meat. I go to a butcher and we put our meat in vacuum bags as soon as we get it. All right. We do it with the chicken. We do it with the pork. We do it with the ribs. We do it everything. So it's in the freezer and it's already been spiced. Right. So we've got spice mixes we throw on it. We vacuum seal it. We put it in the freezer. When I want to cook it, I just drop it in the water uh, in this tub that we've got that's convenient next to the the sink, fill the tub with the water, throw that in there, set the temperature. And I can do that at noon and at four 30, I can go get it and then turn on our, our grill on our stove and, and have dinner done in 10 minutes because the meat's already where I need it to be cooked. So I I'm just doing it for appearance. So it right? totally
1: sounds like this is something that I could do and, and, take this already established piece of shit dad that is not cultured in any form or fashion and have something cultured to talk about. At at least seemingly cultured to say suveyed cooking. (laughs) Well, I mean, Uh, it's it's not boiling bags.
2: It's boiling stuff in bags. It's
1: exactly what it sounds like. And I am it is well established that I have a limited palette, and it is not a great one. Um, it is basically meat and potatoes, um, whether it is fried in some form, or grilled, or pan-fried, whatever. But that's about it. Um, well,
0: and I, and I'll so, tell you this. So so you know we're, the next topic is going to be about Father's Day, and I would say that the best thing you could do for Father's Day, if 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 you've got a traditional Father's Day plan, and you're going to get sent out to the grill to cook say bratwurst or, or steaks, the best thing you could do is get an immersion circulator, set that thing to whatever temperature, uh, serious eats has temperature guides for every kind of meat and any, any vegetable too. And you, so you set that temperature, you get that set when you're ready to get the grill going. Cause I always have trouble with charcoal getting lit, you know? And, uh, and so when the charcoal's finally lit, you got your, your grill up to temperature you slice open the bag, you toss the stuff out there. You got five minutes at the grill. You haven't wasted anything. You're not mad when you bring your food in. And uh, honestly, I mean, that's what it's about is not being mad when you're done. And so that is
1: on my agenda for this summer is to get this very nice grill that my brother gave me out and use it, learn how to use it and, and grill at least a couple of times because I, I swear I have a penis, but I do not grill. It's just never something that I've had this big desire to do. So, I, but I have a nice grill. I have a really nice grill that my brother got me, and it's kind of packed away in the garage. And,
0: and you've got the pool. Goodness. So, you've got a perfect reason to be outside. I,
1: I or, absolutely do. I, yeah. ha- I have a venue, I have the tools, and I just haven't had the farewell.
0: So sous vide makes cooking brats like cooking hot dogs, brats, brats. You have to wait, you know, you have to, you have to be careful. You can burn them on the outside and still have them raw on the inside. If you sous vide those things to one they're perfectly juicy. They're cooked all the way through. All you got to do is get color on the outside.
1: I have a feeling that we might have a dad that has some um, cooking questions come in in the next couple of episodes. You may may want to start
2: with the basics. Grilling is super fun. And you know, start with simple stuff, and, and dogs. you learn it. You, Char- you learn I how think to do Charles it.
1: Charles, my I think my friend Charles, may
0: have Charles some, might may have some, some questions. Like yeah. I, I think we call him Slick, don't we?
2: <laughs> we, I don't know about you, but uh, Ben, but you know, I've got both. A, I have a gas grill and a charcoal grill. I have a gas grill. I have a Weber gas grill, and I have a Green Egg, which I use. Goodness, you know, every once in a while, and. Uh, and and probably three of the five dinner nights, the you know my, the way my wife cooks is it's typically you know she'll she'll do a protein, a vegetable, you know a salad, and and then you know often it'll be a grilled. So you know tonight was an exception. She did like a a, a shrimp scampi pasta. There was a tomato salad with a little like green. Cilantro sauce. There were crostini with like garlic butter and
0: your daughter's home. So this is this is yeah. all for the kids, right?
2: Yeah. That's but that's that's not atypical of the kind of yeah. you know <laughs> the menu that you produce that we would have. You know, the, earlier this week, she had we had a uh, we went to you know on Memorial Day, we went to one of the grocery stores here in Austin, which is called Central Market that has very interesting great produce and she couldn't help herself. We walked through and we found a red snapper filet, um, which then, you know, I did in a grill basket on the gas grill, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, it takes, it takes some practice. It takes some work, but I think that it can be something fun that you do. and,
0: And just so that nobody gets the idea that we do super fancy dinners all the time. So tonight what we did it's Wednesday, our Wednesday night is we order in. And uh, this started when I started working for a delivery company and I worked on Wednesdays. So Deborah started ordering. When I quit that job, we kept ordering on Wednesdays from the same company that I used to work for. And so tonight we ordered barbecue from across the river and had it delivered. And, uh, you know, so everybody ordered their own thing. Tristan got pizza. Duncan uh, usually gets this burger that has pulled pork and a sausage on it. And then a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Onion rings too, I think. And then French fries that he never eats. But this time he got chicken strips. I got, uh, Debra and I both got pulled pork, uh, just a, a dinner thing. And that's what we did. Um, and then Sundays we order pizza from hungry Howie's, which is, uh, I don't think it's quite a national chain, but it's a pretty big chain up here. And, and so that's what we do. So we, we, we aren't super fancy very often, but we try.
1: Sounds like I need to step it up a little bit. So. Oh, so, hey, with some, with some, nobody's starving. Nobody's baby starving. Steps. Baby yeah, steps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody, nobody is starving for sure. Yeah. The, the boy's wearing my clothes now. Um, he's definitely going to be taller than me. He might be taller than me now. I don't know. We haven't checked in a little while. Uh, wow.
2: That's mind blowing. Yeah.
0: All right. So Father's Day. So Deborah asked me after after Mother's Day. So Mother's Day, we had a we had a dilemma. The boys, I, I work on Sundays. I work at the village on Sundays. And so for for Mother's Day, I, I I I said to myself, this was the Mother's Day that the boys were gonna take charge of this. They were gonna do it. They both know how to fry eggs, they know how to make pancakes, they know how to make muffins they can do they can do i mean they have a bread company for crying out loud (laughs) they're gonna get up they're gonna make her coffee they're gonna get everything ready and so she got up at you know seven o'clock she she slept in she got up at like seven o'clock instead of five she made herself a cup of coffee she made herself a second cup of coffee come nine o'clock maybe nine 30 Tristan wakes up, goes into the kitchen and makes her a cup of coffee and then brings it to her. So third cup of coffee, Duncan gets up at 1130 or noon and makes her a cup of coffee. And so like by one o'clock they're okay, it's time to make mom breakfast. So mom, how do we do this? And I'd been through everything. We had everything set out for them to do. And she was pissed off. And she wasn't happy about it. So she says, what do you want for father's day? (laughs) And, uh, and so, so that's, that's what I got asked. So I'm going to let you guys, have you, have you guys had to deal with that question? You know, what do you want for father's day? Do you want the kids to do something for you? Do you want them to give you a gift? Do you want to just ignore it?
1: I want my kids to not be a pain in the ass that day. For us right now, the tradition is still play, think. It's Father's Day weekend. That's right. So the first three days before that, you know, we're doing flow arts and cooking out and 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 roasting marshmallows and just you know camping out and whatever. Though this year we are getting a hotel because mom's going. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's a grand time. It's a it's a fun weekend that has really nothing to do with Father's Day. One year as we were packing up, I think he was 10 10 or 11, I leveled up because I was screamed at as the worst father in the universe on Father's Day. I am number one. So I I, I want that to not happen on (laughs) Father's Day. I don't want to be the worst father in the universe on Father's Day. I, I think we can pull that off this year since we're getting a hotel. But we shall see. What you, Clay? You know, Father's Day, I,
2: I want to, I want to hear from my kids. You know, I want to get those. I want to get those calls. I want to hear how everybody's doing. You know, that's kind of where I am in my fatherhood. And it's definitely. I mean, it's just. It's not about the stuff. right? don't buy me anything. That's just yep. silly. You don't even buy me anything. <laughs> if you if you want to make my heart sing. Write something down, you know, on a card and send it to me. And I've had a couple of those over time that have just meant a ton, you know, be with me if you can, but don't mess up your life to be with me, right? Don't, don't move heaven and earth. This Father's Day, I'm going to be in Connecticut at a lacrosse camp for my youngest son and I can't, you know, I'm excited about that. That's a great Father's Day, right? I mean, one-on-one time with your kids is rare. It's easier, I think, with the youngest one once the other kids are gone. But (laughs) this summer is going to be that for me. It's going to be my one-on-one time with my youngest son. And so that Father's Day is going to be pretty cool. And I'm going to think about, you know, what my relationship is with Cooper, especially, and and how it's different for every single kid, and how parenting dynamics change as you work your way through your birth order to your youngest. But I think it's going to be a great Father's Day. And I, I think that, you know, what do we what do we really want? I mean, you know, just those authentic moments with the with the kids in
0: our lives, right? That'll be awesome. Well, for me, you know, I work Sunday, so so I won't be there on Father's Day. But that weekend, we have a car show at the village, and it's it's just an incredible car show. I've never been into car shows, but the car show that we have on Father's Day weekend has vignettes with decades represented by things like, you know, a 1776 4th of July party with volleyball and and uh, uh, Fife and Drum Corps that marches through every hour or so. And just just silly stuff and, and kind of fun. And so for the first time, we're going to go. So I got tickets for that for Saturday. And that's that's my goal. And, of course, this what we haven't talked about this time is puppies. So our puppy is young enough that we can't just leave her at home by herself. So we, we have to arrange for somebody to come in and, and let her out for a little bit. And that's, that's the only thing standing in the way of that, but we're going to try to try to do a car show for Christmas or um, <laughs> car show for father's day. And so, uh, that'll be a, that'll be a fun thing. Hopefully that works out and, uh, and we don't have any challenges, but I'm trying to do hands off. So the boys aren't responsible for anything. So,
1: yeah, we, we had to do the same thing for playthink with the upper probably just going to find a place to, um, uh, board him for a couple of days friday and saturday
0: have you done that before no no
1: we haven't gone anywhere (laughs) Well, that's true (laughs) since we've gotten the dog and we haven't gone anywhere so yeah and before when times before you know 10 years ago when we had a dog that my brother would come over and let him out or whatever even if we were gone for three or four days but yeah that's that's he he will my brother will be at playthink so yeah. my 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 dog sitter is, is not going to be available so we'll find out yeah. i mean i could see us totally figuring out a way cuz i think the hotel takes you know allows you to bring pets so we may end up doing something like that that would give the boy a reason to stay at the hotel um, we haven't really discussed it but as of right now i'm planning on just getting boarding the dog the boy is not going to get to stay home by himself for two days, <laughs> not at 13, not yet. We could theoretically maybe let him stay at the hotel for a little
0: yeah, I'm. I'm a firm believer that your first weekend that you're home alone without your parents should be over Christmas and people should be trying to break into your house.
1: <laughs> right.
0: As tradition. Right. Yeah.
1: And here's all, you know, where all the tools are to make all the traps.
0: Yeah. Clay has dropped out audio uh, for a little bit because he's got a thunderstorm going through. So I'm not gonna... sure if you guys
2: can hear it. It's it's pretty crazy here, but I, I have to say, as far as dog drama, wh- what have I gotten myself into? You know, we, we go to the East coast for six weeks. That's kind of our, to be with Kim's family. That's kind of our tradition. And and so we got this dog during the pandemic trying to get a dog from Austin to Boston. Guys, it's insane. It, it's <laughs> bonkers. Uh, try to get, I mean, oh my gosh. Can you There's get an almost Uber? almost no way. I mean, so what, can I eat him?
0: Can you get an you- Uber?
2: Oh, Uber. I thought you were going to suggest that I sous vide him. No, he's <laughs> a nice corgi. We're not going to cook. The- he's a great dog, <laughs> but he's too big to go under the seat. I don't have the time. I can't do a four-day road trip just to get dog they're back. It's like eight days. it would be my whole vacation. Like I can't drive it. So it, it has to fly. Trying to understand. Oh, guys. Trying to fly a dog right now in the middle of this madness. These The airlines have totally, they don't know how to do it. They, they've lost their minds. So you've got to ship it like cargo. And it has to be on the right kind of plane. And it has to go early in the morning because the temperature can't be too high. But it's got to be on the... The number of factors that it's taking me, it, it's this is the most complicated problem that I've had to solve in my adult life is getting my Pembroke Welsh Corgi. Name Dave. To Chatham. <laughs> Good luck, Dave. <laughs> Stay safe.
0: It sounds like a challenge for the Coast Guard. <laughs>
2: I wish I could send him by Coast Guard cutter. <laughs> Or helicopter no it's just it's bonkers so i've got in order to get him there you you know you want to fly direct you know there's no direct flights from austin to boston on the kind of plane because it's got to be a pet friendly plane that has the cargo that that has pressurized and temperature so it's got to be a, a boeing plane so you've got to find the airline that flight that takes dogs that will fly boeing that's going from texas to boston early in the morning it's got to be early in the morning but not so early in the morning that the cargo office isn't open because you've got to be at the cargo <laughs> office two hours before your flight to check the dog in so you've got to make sure you've got the right plane the right airline the right time and, and so ultimately i'm going to take the dog to oh you can see the lightning flashing over my head yeah. you got to ta- rent a car drive the dog to dallas get on a bowling plane in Dallas, fly uh, to Boston, and hopefully have the dog with me. That's my story. <laughs> huh. Good luck, man.
0: And you've got to do that both directions. Both directions. Wow. Well, good luck. <sighs> I
2: don't know. And they won't let you. So I've got my airline ticket, but you're not allowed to book the dog until 10 days before the flight. So on Monday, I will call and try. And that also is, it's as Expensive as an airline ticket to ship the dog, <laughs> so I will call on Monday. I will find out if there is a seat available in the cargo hold for Dave the Corgi to fly with me. And if that doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. Gonna... A trench coat, <laughs>
0: a trench coat and glasses with uh, the mustache,
2: or a uh, uh, one of those car seat pumpkin. This is why people come to Ask Dad Labs is for these kind of solutions. Yeah. These kind of super helpful solutions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like <laughs> like reheating brisket. Boil that reheating shit. brisket and sneaking your dog onto an airplane. <laughs> That's what we're all about. Here. It is. Thanks to the Nichols and Dawson families for sharing their dads with us. Ask Dad Labs is produced and edited by me, Ben Foote, and Foote Media Productions, LLC. Like, follow, subscribe, and share across the social media landscape wherever you find Dad Labs. Talk to you next time.